Yechezkel chapter 45. Chapter 45 largely deals with the Nasi, sometimes that's translated as prince. And the question is, is the Nasi a prince or is the Nasi a king? I believe Nasi is king, but he's called Nasi. Earlier in the book, Yechezkel spoke of Melech, but in the chapters of the tabernacle, or the new temple that he envisions, he's called the Nasi. Chapter 45 deal, deals with the Nasi. The first part of chapter 45 describes the boundaries of the land of Israel. And the way the land is divided is completely different from what we find in the Torah. The Torah speaks largely at the end of the book of Bamidbar. It talks about how the land is to be divided, the boundaries of Israel, the division of the land it was apportioned by Lot. None of that is true in the book of Yechezkel. It's a different kind of division. But fundamentally, that's described in more detail in chapter 48, the last chapter of the book. But the Nasi has a special place of his own. We'll get to that as well in chapter 48. And that's what's described in the beginning of chapter 45. Beginning in verse 9 of chapter 45, there's a statement made to the princes of Israel, Nisiei Yisrael, Ravachem, enough, says God, make an end of your lawless behavior, do mishpat and tzedakah, mishpat and tzedakah asu, equity, righteousness, fairness, justice, that's the command. And what's interesting, what follows, beginning in verse 10, and the focus, what does it mean to do mishpat and tzedakah, to have integrity? The focus is very interesting. The focus is on honest measures. In verse 10, Mosnei Tzedek, Eifat Tzedek, Bat Tzedek, Yehilachem, Va'abat, Tochen Echad In other words, have honest balances. An honest Eifat measures honest Bat, which is a liquid measure, and they have the same volume. And then for two verses, it goes on and talks about what it means to be honest. How much is this worth? How much is that worth? It's about honest measures. It's interesting, the larger context of this temple, as we have seen, is all about measuring. Tremendous emphasis on measuring in the temple. We'll see later, in the coming chapter, measuring even outside the temple. And here, too, it's in measure. And that's Mishpat and Tzedakah. So it fits in literarily with the rest of the book. And the Nasi is to deal uh, honestly. Now, the Nasi has another obligation. We are told, as we read further in the chapter, that the people, the people, are to contribute to the temple. And all the people are responsible to contribute to the temple. And in verse 17, Al Hanasi Yehiyeh, so the verse 17 says the burnt offerings, the meal offerings, the libations on festivals, new moons, Sabbath, Shabbat, fixed occasions of the house of Israel shall be the obligation of the Nasi. He shall provide the sin offerings, the mule offerings, the burnt offerings, the offerings of well-being, shlamim, 
to make expiation for the house of Israel. So the Nasi here has a special obligation, and what it sounds like it to bring of his own holdings, and he has many holdings, to bring of his own holdings sacrifices to expiate, to bring atonement for Israel. And beginning in verse 18, Yechezkel tells us what kind of sacrifices ought to be brought. And this is very interesting. We've already seen that Yechezkel's temple doesn't seem to match up with the temples that we're familiar with. The Mishkan of the Torah, Solomon's temple, it's all different. The personnel seem to be different. And now we come to the sacrifices that are brought on the various special days. And it's fair to say that not a single sacrifice that Yechezkel speaks of on a particular day matches up with what the Torah says. Not one. So let's, for example, take a look in verse number 18, chapter 45. Ko amar Hashem Elohim, barishon biachad lachodesh, tikach par ben bakar tamim v'chiteta et hamikdash. On the first day of the first month, Rosh Chodesh Nisan, you shall take a bull without blemish, v'chiteta et hamikdash, you shall purge or cleanse the temple. And that means, we read in the next verse, the Kohen shall take the blood of the sin offering, the Chatat, and place the blood on the doorpost of the temple, the four quarters, here the Azara refers to the ledge of the altar, put it on the edges of the altar, and the uh, gateway of the inner court. And so shall he do, the priest, so shall he do on the seventh day of the month to atone from the uncleanliness, from the impurity caused by unwilling or ignorant persons. So we have here something new. We have the idea of purging or cleansing the temple, which takes place twice, on the first day of Nisan and on the seventh day of Nisan. And these sacrifices, the blood is the sacrifice, it's all performed by the priest. The Nasi brings the sacrifice, but the actual working with the sacrifice, with the karban, is done by the priest. The Nasi has no role in that. What is the idea of purging the temple, cleansing the temple? Now, we have the idea of putting the blood on the doorposts in conjunction with the Paschal sacrifice that was brought on the 14th, and we'll get to that soon. But the idea of cleansing the temple we find in the Torah in a different place. And that is, once a year, on the 10th day of the 7th month, which is Yom Kippur, the high priest enters the temple, even enters the Holy of Holies, takes the blood of the sacrifices and puts them in various places, for the ark, on the partition, on the incense altar. To cleanse or to purge the temple. That's done every year, once a year. 
What it sounds like over here is that Yechezkel was speaking of a similar concept of purging, of cleansing the temple, but it doesn't take place on Yom Kippur. In point of fact, Yom Kippur is never mentioned altogether in the book of Yechezkel, and neither is a Kohen Gadol. No mention of a high priest, no mention of Yom Kippur. What we make of the absence of those details, rather important ones, I take the book at face value. In Yechezkel's visionary temple, there is no Yom Kippur, and there is no high priest, but there is a cleansing and a purging. And twice, it's done on the first day of the month, even though early the book spoke about Israel having a new heart, etc. People make mistakes, and it's repeated on the seventh day. And then we come to the 14th day, which we call Pesach. Verse number 21, Barishon biarba asoyom lachodesh yelochem ha-Pesach, chag shvuot yomim matzot yeyochel. And it says on the 14th day of the month, you shall have the Pesach, here they translate the Passover sacrifice, a festival of seven days in which you eat matzot. Now we know that in the Torah, in the book of Shemot, it speaks about the Pesach, which is the day of the sacrifice, the 14th. And then it speaks that afterwards, you have a seven-day festival of Chag HaMatzot. So you have to wonder over here, I wonder, if in fact Pesach means the sacrifice of Pesach, or Pesach means the day of Pesach, which is the 14th, and Yechezkel envisions a seven-day festival beginning on the 14th, which we call Chag HaMatzot. During those seven days, one eats matzah. But I'm wondering if the Paschal sacrifice exists altogether in Yechezkel's vision. And what's curious is that, in addition to that interesting question, in the next verse, V'yosu'anosi bayomahu ba'ado uviyad parchatat. That on that day, the Nasi, who is the representative of the people, brings a bull for a sin offering. Now, the Torah never spoke about a sin offering on Pesach. It doesn't exist. But in Yechezkel's vision, it does exist, and one can only wonder whether it's the third sin offering in the cycle. That is to say, it also serves, perhaps, to purge and to cleanse the temple. In addition to that, he then has the sacrifices in verse number 23 for the seven days, Shivati Mehachag, Yase Olah, on the seven days of the festival, he brings a, a burnt offering, and then he gives the, mentions the offerings that, that are brought, which are different than what we have in the Torah, different set of sacrifices. And the last verse of chapter 45, in the seventh month, on the 15th day, which we call Sukkot, a festival for seven days, you bring the same sacrifices you brought in the first month, on Chag HaMatzot. The Torah does not say that at all. The Torah discriminates between those two days. They're very different sacrifices. But this is the, the vision of Yechezkel. In Yechezkel's future temple, this is how Yechezkel sees it. So the idea of the Pesach then, the set of sacrifices, would appear, to me anyway, that it substitutes for, for Yom Kippur. It's a yearly, it's just not just a one-time thing. Some, some believe it's a one-time event. If it substitutes for Yom Kippur, it's a yearly event. The temple requires cleansing. The temple requires purification. On Yom Kippur, the temple is purified and the people are also purified. Two different purifications take place. 
Here we've spoken about the Pesach itself, which for Yechezkel, on the day of Pesach, there's also a sin offering. And it's brought, it's interesting, Ba'ado uviad kol that expression, Ba'ado uva'ad, v'chiper ba'ado uviad beito, that we have in conjunction with Yom HaKippurim. The Kohen brings the sacrifices, v'chiper ba'ado uviad beito, and then afterwards, v'chiper ba'ado uviad beito, uviad kol kahal Yisrael. The language is the language of Yom Kippur, transposed by Yechezkel to Pesach.